I wanted a backdrop that would serve as helping communicate the series, and you see it behind me. As we start the series, It's Time. And today I want to focus on It's Time for Honor. It's Time for Honor. Something happens when we turn honor loose, when we release honor, when honor is just a normal part of the culture. To honor means to treat something as valuable. To dishonor, it means to treat something as common. Dishonor brings everything down. Honor builds up. I feel a very strong leading of the Lord to say to all of us that we are to turn honor loose. We are to release honor and to create a culture of honor, and we're going to get it going right now by asking every mom in the room to please stand And we're going to turn honor loose in our appreciation to you. All the moms, would you stand? Stand and remain standing, please. Wow. Come on, everybody. Let's release some honor to these incredible ladies. God bless you. We honor you today. Time to turn that kind of honor loose. Do you, you just feel the energy of that? That's a blessing, both to those that we're giving honor to, and it's a blessing us to show the honor. There are consequences to dishonor. Look at Mark chapter 1, if you will. I'm sorry, Mark chapter 6, verse 1. I'll begin reading there. Mark chapter 6, verse 1. Jesus left there and went to his hometown. He was accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked. What's the wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he's performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives, and in his own home. They were not releasing honor. They refused to turn it loose. The consequences, verse 5, he could not do many miracles there except lay hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. So then Jesus went on teaching from village to village. When there is a lack of honor, it will always blur the obvious, and we will key in on the irrelevant. They should have been saying, this is Jesus, the Son of God. But in fact, they were talking about, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't uh, this Mary's son? You know, like his sisters even live here. Like none of that mattered. That was irrelevant to the point that he was the Christ. And he was declaring the word of God and miracles were happening. And because it blurred the obvious And they built on the irrelevant. The dishonor led to the block against 
the miraculous. Because he couldn't do the amount of miracles that he would have done. I could spend the whole day talking about the influence of dishonor. It will always confuse your vision. It will lead you to keying in on the irrelevant that really has no influence on the real purpose of your life. And it will block what God was wanting to do. A culture of honor. The building up of one another. Turning honor loose. Getting honor flowing. When we release honor, it renews. It refreshes. It restores. I want to tell you this. That everything is better with honor. Your marriage will be better. Your home will be better. Your workplace will be better. This church will be better. If honor is part of the culture, it makes everything better. We'll work together. There will be a team spirit. We'll build each other up. And as the writer of the Proverbs wrote, even the changing of a city is the result of a culture of honor. Haggai writing about the rebuilding of the temple, once it was completed, he said, if the people would honor God, that the glory of that latter house would be greater than the glory of the former. If there would be a culture of honor, that the glory of God would be so strong in that place that it was even greater than the past. The principle of honor that leads me to talk to you In this way, it's time for honor. Imagine life as a house. There are three stories going up and three going down. As you go up, it's one floor after the other that gets stronger, more sharing, more caring, because there's greater honor as you take those steps. There's no elevator, so you got to be intentional and take the steps. But the gravitational pull of society is to go down. The gravitational pull of the culture is to dishonor. To criticize. It's more than just criticism. All of the criticism that you hear, that you see, it's a part of a culture that has lost the ability to honor. And so as you go down, there's, there's a lot of people headed that way. So in order to go up, it's going to mean intentionality, determination. Hey, let's be the church that refuses the cultural pull in a downward spiral of dishonor. Let's take the steps, be intentional, and let's turn honor loose. Let's release honor as never before. Let me show you how this would work. Let me just apply it. All of you that are graduating, we're going to honor you next week, but right now I want you to stand. All of our graduates, high school, college, come on, stand up. Stand up all across the place. Come on, let's show honor to these great people. We honor you. We're proud of you. We cheer you on. Let me ask all of the grandparents to stand. All the grandparents. Come on, stand up, grandparents. There you go. Look at this. Come on, release some honor to all of these grandparents. Let me ask all all of those in active duty serving our country, various military groups, or veterans, would you stand? Active military and veterans, stand to your feet. Now, come on, let's release some honor. Let's turn some honor loose. 
God bless you. I told you guys last week and ladies that we would have a book for you there in the lobby. Please get yours as you leave. When we release honor, it renews, it refreshes, and it restores. Honor is our ally. Honor is our friend. And so I want to talk about that we are called to honor and who should we honor. What does the Bible say about this? Well, here's a starting place. In Exodus 20, verse 12, here's what the scripture says. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. I want to teach a point here. In a culture where there's such brokenness in the home, there's some people who would struggle to honor their mom or their dad because of what happened in their home. Let's learn this. It is respect that is earned, but honor is given. We honor the position. It's not something that may be earned. As a matter of fact, it may not be, they may not be worthy. But you honor because honor is given. Respect is earned. I know that this is where it gets tough. But I want to encourage you that that seed of honor that is in you, if you will sow it into your parents, probably most everyone in this room, your parents are deserving of more honor than we could ever give them. If that is not your story, I encourage you to still sow that seed of honor that is in you in them Because it may be that seed of honor that you sow that turns them around. I say this to every marriage in the room. Every marriage is better where there's honor. If you do not believe your spouse deserves honor, then remember, respect is earned. Honor is given. Honor them anyway, and maybe that seed of honor that you sow will be the very thing that brings a harvest of change in your spouse. Honor. I'm not talking about something that's natural or easy in every case or in every situation. It wasn't easy for Joseph to honor the people in his life like his brothers that threw him in a pit and left him to die. Feeling a little conviction, they got him out of the pit and sold him into slavery. He could have lived his life so bitter. And then when he had the opportunity to get revenge and to dishonor them for how they had dishonored him, he refused that dishonor. No, he honored them anyway. And I want to tell you, it was that seed of honor that he sowed that revolutionized his family and at the end of the day reconciled every one of them. He's in Potiphar's house and he honors Potiphar. And as a result, Joseph is elevated in his position and his influence within Potiphar's uh, entire operation. Potiphar's wife lies about Joseph. Joseph gets thrown into prison for a, a false accusation. And instead of being bitter and dishonoring, he honors those who were in authority over him. He sowed the seed of honor to those who were in authority over him, which was biblical. And the harvest on that is that he became an administrator of the prison. Because Joseph continued to sow honor, even when it wasn't deserved, 
I believe it's one of the key principles in how God could elevate him so that when Israel is in a famine and Egypt is in a famine, it is precisely this man who God raises up supernaturally, puts him as second in command only to Pharaoh, and he has the plan and creates the provision where the seven years of famine, there could be plenty because he was a man moving in an honor of God and authority. And the result is nations are preserved. Many people were saved rather than than killed. And Joseph's entire family ended up being reconciled. We talk about his attitude. We talk about his determination. We talk about all these things. Maybe the greatest principle of Joseph's life is that he continued to honor. David is told by Samuel he would be the next king and he's anointed king. And King Saul was as hateful. Tried to kill David. Had David hunted. I mean, how do you respond in a context like that? In study David's life, he continued to show honor. And as a result, became the greatest leader Israel has ever known. I'm not saying that it's easy. I'm saying if you will act on the seed of honor that is in you and sow it in the people around you, that the harvest on that seed of honor is more supernatural than we could ever imagine. Here's Romans 12.10 in the English Standard Version. I love this. It says, outdo one another in showing honor. Now, I love competition. I love competition. We ought to create a competition on trying to outdo each other in showing honor. That's a church anybody would want to attend. Turn that loose. Here's what Paul is saying. Release honor. Turn honor loose in your heart, in your home, in your church, in your workplace, because everything is better where there's honor. I would encourage you with a couple of applications. Like if your kids are being kept in our nursery today or in elementary, when you go pick them up, honor the people that are back there rather than in here. Encourage them, bless them, honor them. Your kids' teachers at school, their principals, honor them. If you go out to eat today or any day that you go out, honor your waitress, honor your waiter, and don't tie your honor to their efficiency or their effectiveness. Tie it to the fact that you believe in honor. Because honor is given, it is not earned. Be so rich in the Lord that you can make a deposit in another person's life that may be the key to turning their heart to the potential that they have in God. Turning honor loose, it's time for honor. Honor. Honor your kids. Honor them. Ryan, Lindsay, and Connor are gifts to Kelly and me, and I have just determined that I will not let them not see the greatness that is in them. I refuse because I honor them. 
honor your parents on this Mother's Day. Honor your mom. I wish my mom was here because I would ask her to stand. That's probably why she's not here. And I would tell her how much she means to me. She left early this morning because my youngest niece is graduating high school. My youngest niece, her name is Michelle. My brother and his wife, they adopted her from Guatemala, as well as her sister, Anna, who graduated from Evangel University on this past Friday. Anna, they both were in the same orphanage, and Anna just was this vivacious, dynamic, just brilliant young lady. She's, she's so gifted musically and has just always excelled at everything she, she has done and continues. But Michelle, she, once she was born, she was left literally in a barrel on a dark, dank street there in Guatemala. Because of the malnutrition, it affected her brain, it affected her body. Somebody found her and took her to this orphanage, and the orphanage took her in. So my brother and his wife said, we want to adopt her too, knowing that from day one, it was hearing aids. A lot of things they had to do to try to help her correct her walking. They were told she'll never ever excel in school, certainly won't graduate high school. She'll never be able to drive. She just, in other words, you're going to have to think, you're going to have to think this through of how you're going to manage her all the way through life. And this morning, my parents are on their way to Springfield because my youngest niece, Michelle, who has her driver's license, who has excelled in school, is graduating high school today. It's amazing. I wish I was there to cheer on Michelle because we're so proud of her. She still deals with challenges, but she's such a courageous young lady, and I love her. But my mom is on her way there, so I texted her early this morning, and I just told her what she meant to me, and I would say these words to my mom, that because of her support and her sacrifice, literally her selfless way of living, it has fashioned me to be the person that I am. I I praise God every day. Maybe that's not your story. And and I want you to know God's not short-circuited to help you, but I don't deserve it, but I've just had the most incredible parents, and my mom is amazing to me. If anybody does like an emotional autopsy and can figure that out, the core of who I am is fashioned in, in, in in a functional way because of my mom's love the support. You know, today I'm speaking to a lot of people at this service, spoke to people at 9 and again at 12, and you know, do that all the time. I often think of the little boy in the New Testament that had a sack lunch. When I was in school, there was like a cafeteria where there was this menu that changed every day, but one line was the same, and it was the hamburger line. But I'm just going to confess my school's sin. Those hamburgers were soybean hamburgers. Did anybody grow up in the day of soybean hamburgers? There's a special place in heaven for all of us for ever having to deal with that. And so, you know, I would eat those, but 
so many days, matter of fact, most days of the week, my mom made my lunch. Just the small things. In the New Testament, there's a crowd of people that need to be fed. There's not enough food to feed them. They don't have enough money to feed them. Jesus looks at his disciples and says, well, what do you have? They said, well, there's this little boy who has a sack lunch. And Jesus performed a miracle on that which was very little and made it more than enough. Because little is always much when God is in it. And we talk about the little boy We talk about his lunch, and we talk about the multitude, but nobody ever talks about his mom. Because that little boy didn't make his own lunch. His mom made that lunch. And just being a mom, just getting up another day and doing those those tasks that seemed rather small, she had no idea that what she was investing of her time and love to have her son prepared for the day would end up being part of a miracle that would feed a multitude. When my mom stands before God, there is no doubt that she gets the credit for every sermon, for every act of kindness because she made my lunch. And what I mean by that is that she sowed into me the kind of love and support that would cause me to say yes when Jesus said, will you follow me? Will you take a risk? Will you preach my word? Will you lead a church? And and, and it comes back to the fabric of who I am, and that goes back to my mom. I want to recognize my wife, the mother of our three kids, Kelly. I want to publicly honor her for being the best friend, for loving me. And that's an act of faith and getting into the supernatural on a daily basis. Yes, that hurts me when you laugh like that. In all seriousness, my three kids, we all have the same opinion about Kelly. We we don't know. A better Christian. And that's reflected in the kind of time she gives us and the carefulness to listen, the carefulness then after listening to speak what we need to hear, to show us love in all those ways that are just daily and to manage what she does in her calling and yet always keep that first calling to the kids in our family. I know some of her pain and how she has dealt with it. I, I've watched her process that and her prayer life and her daily life and to, to just be who she is. And I am so grateful. And I'm so thankful. And on this Mother's Day, I want to honor you on behalf of our family because I couldn't be here doing what I do. I could not live the life I live and and fulfill this call on my life without the person that you are to me. Two is really better than one. And it's really amazing when two become one. And I honor you on this Mother's Day. I love you. Watch this video and let it 
just release some more honor in this room. Every one of us has been born by a mother. By a mother. By a mother. And today, we pray for every mom. In every home. In every nation. We pray for the moms who are busy doing laundry, cleaning the house, and preparing meals for everyone in their home. May you experience sanity in the middle of the crazy. We pray for moms who work outside of the home. May you experience increased energy and decreased guilt. We pray for moms of children with special needs. May your energy be replenished, knowing that your heavenly reward is great. We pray for single moms. May your hope and strength be found in our great God, who is the Father of the fatherless. We pray for expectant moms. May God protect the amazing life growing inside you. We pray for moms who are struggling to get pregnant. May you experience the love of God in the middle of this intense and uncertain battle. We pray for those whose moms have passed away. May this be a day of honor, freedom, and fond memories for you. Thank you, God, for giving us these lovely, imperfect, sacrificial people. Thank you for making yourself known to us through them. time to every mom in this room. Come on, turn it loose, release it. We ought to all be concerned about the lack of honor that there now is in this culture. What is the reason for it? And I want to focus on that in the last part of this message and just say this. That until we get back to honoring God, we're not going to be able to create a culture of honor within our marriages, our homes, our workplace, or our church. And we're going to suffer the devastating consequences of that downward trek where life loses this incredible, important principle and power of honor. It'll get more destructive and more broken. And it is time for us... To say, let's bring honor back, be intentional and determined, and to know that it starts with honoring God. Where would any of us be without God, who gave us his very best, his only son? Where would we be without Jesus Christ, who bore all of our sin? Where would we be today without the one who made all things new and forgave us of more than we deserve? Where would we be today without the one who empowers us 
to do more than we can do left to ourselves. If we will come back to a life that really honors God, that honors Jesus Christ, we'll be positioned to honor the authorities and the relatives and the neighbors and the co-workers and those that we, we do life with as the Bible teaches we should honor in psalm 22 verse 23 it says you who fear the lord praise him all you descendants of jacob honor him don't treat him as common he's not the big man upstairs he's not a cosmic santa claus he is god very god god of gods god almighty god of glory whose glory is higher than the heavens Isaiah 29, 13 says, These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. When we come back to realizing we are who we are, we have this life that we have because the signature of God is on us, we'll realize that our only reasonable response is a life that would honor Him. Babe Ruth, the amazing baseball player, he signed seven bats. So baseball historians heard that, went looking for those bats. They found six of the seven. They couldn't find the one that he signed first. In their research, they discovered that his agent, after he signed the first bat, took it a few years later, auctioned it off in a fundraiser, to a man that was a baseball enthusiast. That man man lived a very long life. Matter of fact, he outlived all of his relatives. And when he got at the point of death, he had no family, and yet he had this bat signed by this Hall of Fame. He thought, you know, I need to be intentional. I need to give this to somebody. I have no family to give it to. And in the the last months of his life, it was his nurse that had done so much to, to care, give, support him, help him, and make life as livable as possible. So he gave her the bat signed by Babe Ruth. Once the man passed away, this, this lady having this bat thought, I need to do something with this. She goes, I wonder what it's worth. So she took it to the right people. They assessed the value and told her this bat is worth million dollars and she sold it for 1.3 million this was in 2006 you can check the story it's an amazing story she was asked so what'd you do with the money she said well the bat was only valuable because of the signature if it didn't have that signature it would be just another bat that was worth you know maybe $50 maybe $100 But because of the signature, it was worth $1.3 million. So she took the money and formed a foundation to help the kids that Babe Ruth was trying to help at the end of his life. She said, "It, it seemed reasonable that I would take what I got from the bat and invest it in a way that would honor the one whose signature made it valuable. When I read that story, I thought, that's it. When you realize that in your DNA, 
on your life is the signature of God. You're made by God. The creation of God. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. There's no one else just like you. And there's six and a half billion people in this world. And no one else just like you. God made you. The signature of God is on your life. And that makes you valuable. So valuable. Things may have happened in your life that have made you feel worthless. But no, your life has incredible worth. Because you're the creation of God. And understanding that, really getting a hold of that, you come to this place of saying, then the reasonable response with my life is to invest it in a way that honors the one who makes me valuable. When we will honor God with our heart, honor God with our talent, honor God with our time, honor God with this one and only life that we have, then, my friend, we're positioned to honor those around us and we'll live a life of honor. And when we stand before God, we will receive the honors reward. Is your life honoring God? Is your life honoring God?